back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Thursday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is Thursday. That means the start of a new week in the National Football League. Bengals and Browns tonight on Thursday night football. And then that's the appetizer for Sunday as the Dolphins welcome in the Buffalo Bills here at Hard Rock Stadium at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday afternoon. We're going to preview that game top to bottom here, give you the injury report, top matchups, the Bills personnel usage, their scheme, their system, their style, everything the Buffalo Bills do, we're going to talk about on this podcast and get Get you ready for game day for kickoff with some team notes, some player notes, all the good stuff you look for here on the Drive Time podcast. We're also going to hear from Coach Flores and a couple more Dolphins players on their Thursday media availabilities as well. All of that and more on this Thursday, September the 17th edition of the Drive Time podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And as we start out on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday podcast here on Drive Time, let's go ahead and get to the injury report for Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills. For the Dolphins, just one change from Wednesday's report. Jakeem Grant has been removed from the injury report on Thursday. And then four players limited, safety Clayton Fedulum, cornerbacks Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and wide receiver Devontae Parker. Elandon Roberts missed his second straight day of practice. He was a DNP on Thursday. And linebacker Kyle Van Noy and wide receiver Preston Williams both were full participants for the second consecutive day on Thursday. For the Buffalo Bills, wide receiver John Brown, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, linebacker Tyrell Dotson were all full participants on Thursday. That's a big upgrade from John Brown, who DNP on Wednesday. And for Tyrell Dotson, who was limited on Wednesday's practice, they had four players limited on Thursday's practice. Linebacker Tremaine Edmonds and quarterback Jake Fromm, not injury-related there for Fromm, but they added two players in defensive end Jerry Hughes and wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. They were not on the report on Wednesday. They were limited in Thursday's practice. And then two more DNPs who were not there for Wednesday or Thursday's practice in linebackers Matt Milano and Delshawn Phillips. All right, let's go ahead and kick off Brian Flores' Thursday morning media availability with a question about snap counts at this stage of the season, both on offense and on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I wouldn't take one game and, you know, try to put guys in the buckets as, you know, far as every down players or situational players. I mean, I wouldn't take one game and do that, especially uh, <laughs> in this type of uh, this type of season. So. Up next, Coach will talk about the quarterback-receiver relationship. Specifically, he was asked about Preston Williams getting going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here's Coach Flores on the importance of developing that relationship between the quarterback and all of the receivers on this Dolphins football team. I think it's it's important to establish connection, you know, receivers, excuse me, quarterback to all the receivers, not just one in particular. So, I mean, that's something that you build that rapport in practice and, you know, you hopeful that it, it, it shows itself in the game and, that's why we go out there and practice and, you know, we'll do that again today. Um, establish that rapport with, you know, you mentioned Preston, but it's the same with really all the receivers, the backs, the tight ends. Um, same thing defensively as far as, you know, guys playing together, same thing in the kicking game. So uh, it's something that you build over, over the course of time and through practice and we'll continue to do that. 
And going back to the defensive side of the football, you heard on the injury report that Elandon Roberts, Dolphins linebacker, was listed with a concussion. Coach talked about that a little bit, but also about who might be able to step into that role if Roberts were out on Sunday. Uh, well, first off, you know, Roberts, you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, we're not counting him out. You know, we obviously have some other guys in the room. Uh, Van Noy's played linebacker. Combo's uh, uh, played, obviously, uh, a linebacker. Uh, Baker. Sam Egovon Munson. I mean, we've got some other guys in the room. Uh, so, you know, if that's the case, if somebody's down, we'll, we'll other guys will step in. And look, it's, it'll be based on the game plan, based on what they give us offensively. Uh, so we may have different uh, different uh, types of bodies in there. So, but, you know, the, the good thing about that group is they're, they're flexible and uh, they all have versatility and play multiple positions. So we have a variety of options. And we stay on the defensive side of the ball as you hear Coach talking about the linebacker group there. And that was part of the offseason plan, right, to get some depth at that position, to really get depth at all the defensive positions as you heard him rattle off some of the names, some of the capable bodies in that linebacker room. The story is same is the same, rather, at the safety position as Coach was asked about the growth of Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe now with one game in year two under their belts as safeties here in Miami and the importance of the communication and leadership those two have exuded so far. Eric and Bobby, uh, they I played uh, together for um, let's call it half a year, um, maybe less than that. Uh, but you know they played together uh, some, um, so they have a little bit of a rapport. You add uh, uh, Brandon to that, you add Kayvon Frazier to that. You know you got a mix of different people. Um, so still trying to build that communication, that rapport. Um, but you know those two guys, I mean it's very important to them. So they'll do what it takes to to build those relationships and try to do it the way we're, we're asking him to do it. Uh, Brandon Jones, you know, he's a young player. He's uh, you know, improving on a daily basis, but he's still got a long way to go, just like all of our young players. And, um, you know, every practice is, is good for him. Every game experience is good for him. And, uh, you know, they're, they're working hard this week to, to prepare for a very, very tough opponent, um, you know, in the bills with the quarterback and the running game and, you know, some receivers who are, um, explosive, you know, and, and, and tight ends. And I mean, they, this is a, you know, a good offense that they've got tempo in their offense. So we have to be prepared for that as well. So we need as many guys like Bobby and Eric to communicate and, uh, you know, play at a good level and bring other players with them. And um, I think they're, they're trying to do that also. And we go back to the offensive side of the ball there after Coach Flores talks about the defensive backs in this room. And again, to talk about the safeties with McCain, Rowe, and Brandon Jones, all three of those guys have extensive coverage history in their background. So you hear Coach talk about the skill sets the Bills have at receivers and all the different ways they can hit you on offense. It's always going to be beneficial to have guys that can cover on that back end because ultimately it makes your defense more flexible and it makes your defense more disguisable on that side of the football. So back to the offense and quarterback Tua Tungavai Loa, who is off the injury report for week two after being listed in the week one injury report. Here's Coach Flores on why and how that happened. He's, he's doing well. He's really going into the, uh, from a rehab standpoint or just a, a strength training standpoint, um, he's doing what everyone else is doing. So we, you know, we felt like uh, we could take him off and uh, he's, he's, he's doing well physically um, and, and mentally and, you know, getting practice reps and uh, trying to improve, you know, from a football standpoint, from, you know, a learning and being a professional standpoint, like all rookies, he's doing well, you know, he's learning. So, you know, health-wise, though, from a health standpoint, it's obviously it was a, it was a, a serious injury. And, 
he's he's done a great job as far as you know getting himself back healthy and getting himself to a point where he can practice and take a lot of reps. So um, he's trending in the right direction from a health standpoint. And you go back to the interview I had with Tua back when he was drafted with the Dolphins and had that kind of in-depth dive on Tua's background and relaying the information from the Tua Tungavailoa 360 episode of the Move the Sticks podcast when they had Trent Dilfer, his personal coach, his quarterback's coach on the podcast to talk about his work ethic and the Tua days that Tua would go through. It just kind of all corroborates there with what Coach Flores said about Tungavailoa's work ethic and dedication to get back to this point to get himself in a position where he can take these reps on the practice field because that's important, right? Getting a guy to work as the backup quarterback, those reps, those mental reps, but also those physical reps are important. So good for Tungavailoa for putting the work in to get himself back on the field after what Coach Flores says there was a serious injury. Up next... We switch over to the guys the quarterbacks throw the football to and an injury regarding Devontae Parker. He, of course, left game one with a hamstring injury. Here's Coach Flores on Devontae Parker's update with the hamstring. Well, as far as the history, I don't really kind of look into that, you know, too much. You know, how are we right now? Where are we right now? That's kind of where, you know, my conversations with Devontae are and our, our training staff. You know, he was out of practice yesterday. We'll see. We're taking this thing one day at a time. We'll see where we're at, you know, for, for the game. And, you know, that's really all I have for you right now. I mean, it's it's still early. We still got a couple of days before we got to get there. He's doing everything he can to get out there. And um, but no, we don't take, you know, previous you know, hamstring injuries. Um, we're really just focused on this particular one, which, you know, has, lim- has limited him some. But, you know, we're, we're, he's, 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 he's doing everything he can to, to, to get back out there. We're going to go ahead and finish up with a question here for Coach about playing time for rookies. And real quick on this, I get asked often, like, where did you school yourself on football knowledge, I suppose? And one of the things I always tell people is that just being a sponge, but also a a giant fan and someone that really just obsesses over the game in general and kind of taking in everything you can from every element of football you watch and one of those things I took in at one point was the first season of All or Nothing on Amazon with the Arizona Cardinals and Bruce Arians when David Johnson was kind of breaking out that year behind a running back who was a starter going into camp that season and as games began to unfold Johnson was showing himself to be the superior back but Arians said we got to make sure we manage this guy and not get his ego or his temperament to a level where maybe it becomes a problem in the future and here's coach talking about his rookies and how he kind of develops that plan for how to get them on the field how he wants to use those guys every coach has different philosophies obviously here's coach flores on rookie usage it's case by case omar and i think you know it's a small role and then uh, that role turns into a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more i think you you guys would see that over the course of you know five or six games uh, when do you realize it's not too big for him? That takes a little bit more time. Um, you know, you need you know stretches of games of consistency to really feel good that um, they understand how to be a professional. Um, that complacency doesn't set in, and now we don't. We watch. Hey, we got all the answers, and um, we watch a little less tape. And you know, there's a, to me that's the thing. Those are the things that I try to harp on good performance or bad performance. We still have to watch the film. We have to know our next opponent. We have to get our lifts in. We have to stay on course with our nutrition. We got to stay on course with our conditioning. Like those are the things, you know, it's not one game. It's not two games. It's not, you know, you know, once you start stringing four or five games together, then you're, that means you're doing something. You've been doing something over the last four or five weeks. I mean, that's just my belief. Um, because I think the guys who become complacent, the guys who, um, uh, 
think they have all the answers. Eventually, it catches up to them. I mean, that's that's been my experience with with players. So um, we just try to stay on them about um, you know keep it to their routine and just the importance of not veering off of that because you know in this league with so many good players and so many good coaches, um, they'll find you. You know, if you're if you're if you're taking shortcuts, and you know, we try to not allow that, but you know, that's something you know individually for each player that they, they, they realize it. You know, oftentimes you know it's, when it's too late. But um, as you know, with the, the amount of what is it, three years that guys are in the league, I mean, oftentimes it's too late. So the the, the, the players, the young players, I'm thinking, figure it out early enough um, that that routine, that that attention to detail, that the discipline of playing play after play after play and playing consistently uh, once they realize how important that is, um, then you, you, you can see those, what you're talking about, you know, whether or not it's not too big for them. So there is Coach Flores's Thursday morning media availability. We're going to hear from a few more Dolphins players after this, and we'll go ahead and sandwich this podcast here with the Dolphins-Bills Week 2 preview. Miami enters this game 0-1, Buffalo 1-0 after their victory over the New York Jets. Sunday, September 20th, 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff at Hard Rock Stadium here in Miami. As of Thursday, the forecast calls for 87 degrees with 40% chance of precipitation, 76% humidity, and 12-mile-an-hour rains with scattered thunderstorms throughout the area. Welcome to South Florida. This stuff changes every single hour, every single day here in South Florida. And it's another divisional foe here for the Dolphins, the second in as many weeks, as they welcome in the Buffalo Bills, who, of course, knocked off the Jets in that Week 1 game. And really, the parallels between Sean McDermott's Buffalo team and the program Brian Flores is building here in Miami, they're pretty vast. And although McDermott is in year four, Flores in year two, you can see some similarities stacking up between the two. Both have the defensive-minded background. McDermott ran many a good defenses out there in Carolina, Flores and New England previously. Both coaches in their second seasons put a premium on their team's draft capital. The Dolphins entered this past draft with 14 draft picks compared to Buffalo in 2018, McDermott's second year, with 11 draft picks. In that year, Buffalo got their quarterback in Josh Allen. The Dolphins selected Tua Tungavailoa with the fifth pick in the draft, so they get their quarterbacks at five and seven overall in their second year. But above all of that, both coaches really emphasize culture and people and mentality, the acquisition of players who prioritize the game of football. It means a lot to them. Players who are tough, smart, physical, and disciplined. And McDermott with that mentality and that makeup, and he and GM Billy Bean, Brandon Bean, not Billy Bean, brought the Bills to the postseason in two of the last three seasons. And that first year in 2017 with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, broke the longest playoff drought in the four major sports here in America with that trip to the postseason and then following up last year with the second trip in three years and beating a good football team at home and evening the market one and one would give us both one and one records. Miami and Buffalo would be a nice step here early on in Flores' second year. We talked about the injury report already earlier in the podcast and going back to the Bills personnel here, Continuity was one of those major talking points in the NFL this offseason, right? With offseason programs limited, no OTAs, it was all virtual contact and classroom lesson type settings. Many pondered if returning starters might play a key role early in this strange 2020 NFL season. And the Buffalo Bills were atop the charts in ESPN's offseason continuity rankings. The study measured returning players and the percentage of the team's snaps for which those players accounted. All three of Buffalo's coordinators are returning this year. 
in Brian Dayball on the offensive side, Leslie Frazier on defense, and Heath Farwell as the special teams coordinator. Offensively for Dayball, he saw 95.4% of his offensive snap takers last year in 2019 for that playoff team of the Buffalo Bills come back for 2020. So ultimate continuity there. That was tops in the league. Defensively, the Bills had the seventh highest returning snap takers on that ESPN continuity study. And on paper, really, few rosters are more daunting than the squad assembled here by McDermott. And Brandon Bean, almost right Billy every time there. Moneyball, one of my favorite all-time movies. The Buffalo defense is stout and deep at all three levels, and it starts with the secondary. They added three stalwarts in the 2017 offseason alone. Safeties Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are the definition of ball hawks. In three years with the team, Poyer and Hyde have combined for 19 interceptions and 42 pass breakups, ultimate ball production. And Sunday against the Jets, Poyer was right back at it. Two run stops in the game. He allowed one catch, but made the tackle on that catch for an eight-yard loss. And he also forced a fumble to get more ball production there for his defense. Then... There's first-team All-Pro from last season, Tredavious White, the 2017 first-round draft pick of the Buffalo Bills. On top of game-changing interceptions, he makes almost on a weekly basis, it seems, and he had a big one against the Dolphins last year in that Week 7 game. He held opposing quarterbacks in his career to a 61.9 overall passer rating. Linebackers Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are on the injury report. We'll see if they play on Sunday, but Edmonds made his first Pro Bowl at the ripe age of 21 last season, and Milano, in pass coverage, allows an 81 passer rating against and has 103 stops against the run over his three-year career so far. It just keeps getting strong on the front as well. Edge rushers Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes both had three quarterback pressures against Sam Darnold and the New York Jets in the season opener. Ed Oliver, a top 10 pick back in 2019, he's made his interior pocket collapsing impact felt early on in his career. He really picked up steam late in his rookie season, had 31 total quarterback pressures over the course of that rookie season, but he got it going early in year two. He had six pressures and a run stop in the season opener. On the other side of the football, offensively, Josh Allen beginning to really come into his own here in year number three. He starts the season with 369 total yards and three touchdowns versus the Jets. Over four career games against the Dolphins, Allen has 318 rushing yards, but only 88 of those in the two games last season, doing most of his damage in the 2018 two games against the Dolphins. But limiting Allen's ability to extend plays will be crucial for this Dolphins defense. And much like in the secondary, Buffalo really rebuilt their offensive line In short order under McDermott and Bean, through both the draft and free agency, the Bills acquired a wall of physical, tough players with a nasty temperament. Deion Dawkins out of Temple, week one, his performance was much of the same as he has been through the first three years of his career. He averages just two pressures allowed per game in his career. Very good left tackle there for the Buffalo Bills. They signed center Mitch Morse last offseason. He helped stabilize the offensive line on the interior. He allowed just one pressure on Sunday against the Jets. And fellow 2019 free agent acquisition, Quentin Spain, had the same stat line with one pressure allowed. And he does his best work digging out bodies in that running game on the inside. Speaking of the running game, they are made up of some sizzle and spice with two juxtaposing backs in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. The former Singletary rushed for 775 yards last year at 5.1 yards per clip, and the latter, Moss, was the workhorse, a tough physical Utah Ute program. He was the guy back there in that backfield. Over his final three years in college, Moss averaged three or ran for 3,685 yards and 36 touchdowns. 
Singletary is very shifty, very agile, and can make big plays in the passing game as well, whereas Moss has that really stout, compact build and can really bruise guys and get that short yardage for you. He's tough to bring down, usually takes more than one tackler to get him to the ground, has great balance, great contact balance, and he'll run through arm tackles if you do not wrap him up. The matchup highlights in this game, we're kind of going back to basics here, so stick with me, but the Dolphins front seven versus the Bills runners. We just talked about the running backs and Josh Allen and what they can do on the ground. And when you look at team defensive rankings, like really any stat in football, they require context, right? The Dolphins enter Sunday with the number one ranked pass defense, but the 32nd ranked rush defense, but the Patriots threw the ball 19 times and they ran the ball 42 times. So obviously going to be some disparity there for the Dolphins ground game and passing game on defense. Flores said on Wednesday that Buffalo's receivers are as good as there is in this league. So for the Dolphins to be competitive, stopping the run while containing the pass is a crucial element to this game on defense. Allen, kind of similar to Cam Newton in both the size and athletic ability departments. Both quarterbacks are six foot five. Allen gives 10 pounds to Newton, but they both move exceptionally well. And last year, the Bills running game hit chunk plays in the same read option look the Patriots had success with in week number one. Quarterback kind of rides the running back and then pulls it out depending on what the defensive end does. Does he crash? You keep it. Does he not crash? Does he contain? You give it off to the running back inside. Once you account for Allen, it's then imperative to contain the running back. And this instance, probably Devin Singletary, as he can bounce runs and hit the second level in a flash. Last year, Singletary had 25 runs of 10 or more yards, and he did that on just 151 carries. So an explosive player for the Bills in the backfield. And of course, the running game starts in the trenches up front, where the Dolphins are not lacking in size by any stretch of the imagination. Ogba goes 275, Shaq Lawson 267, Wilkins 315, Godshaw 311, and Raekwon Davis 330. That's some beef up front on that line, but Flores says the Dolphins have to play with better fundamentals to handle Josh Allen in the Bills running game. He said, quote, obviously Josh Allen is big, strong, fast. He had something like 60 rushing yards on Sunday. It was 57. Sometimes, or some similarities to what we saw at New England. Obviously, we're trying to get a lot of that fixed now from an edge-setting standpoint, from a tackling standpoint, schematically. We'll We'll work on that over the course of the week, just from a technique, fundamentals, and practice standpoint. Hopefully, it helps us on Sunday next week. And last week, the Patriots called on sixth offensive lineman Michael Unwenu for 22 snaps as he plugged in at the end of that line of scrimmage. Did you know he was 350 pounds? I didn't know that in the game. I knew he was big, but man, 350. Per pro football focus, the Patriots rushed off either end, going off tackle 11 times for 83 yards combined, running behind Unwenu and 335-pound right tackle Jermaine Illuminor and 310 pounds at left tackle in Isaiah Wynn. So good edge running for the Patriots in that game. The Buffalo Bills line, much of the same. They average about 330 pounds on that offensive line. So big on big. Dolphins and Bills. Up next, the number two matchup to highlight here, Dolphins DBs versus the Bills pass catchers. And the Bills are top heavy and deep at receiver, the best of both worlds for an offense. Stephon Diggs caught eight of his nine targets against the Jets for 86 yards. He's a technician, man. He sets up defensive backs with crafty route running. He's got a natural feel for how to attack blind spots. He can flat out fly as well. He led all receivers in 2019 in deep passing on throws 20 plus yards down the field 
with 635 receiving yards on such throws. So the Dolphins have their work cut out for him, for them, with Stephon Diggs, but it doesn't get any easier. John Brown is also a speed merchant. He finished 19th in that same category in deep receiving yards. He turned eight targets into six receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown and five first downs in the season opener. In two games against the Dolphins last year, Brown caught 14 passes for 220 yards and three touchdowns. Got to find a way to get John Brown contained. And no Bills receiver in week one created more consistent separation than Cole Beasley. He averaged four yards of separation per next-gen stats. The reliable slot target he has become over his year, over the course of his career, he has caught 70% of his targets in five of the eight seasons in his career. So very reliable inside there. And it's strength on strength here as Miami matches up all that talent with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Noah Igbenogany, a trio of safeties with coverage skills, and Bobby McCain, Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe. You've got Jamal Perry and Nick Needham in the fold as well in that Dolphins defensive backfield. And how the Dolphins choose to match their talent with Buffaloes is one of the more intriguing storylines of the week. Who's got Diggs? Who's got Beasley? Who's going to go ahead and take John Brown on the outside? We know Byron Jones is super athletic. The testing metrics, the transition ability, flip the hips. Xavier Howard, a big, physical, strong corner who can really impose his will physically. Noah Igbenogany, a little bit of both of those two things. Obviously, the Olympian, uh, the Olympic sprinter parents he has, he showed that same athletic ability in college. So those matchups really intrigue me. Last year, Eric Rowe was the second game at safety in that Week 7 game against the Bills. He limited tight end Dawson Knox to one catch for two yards in that game. So we'll see if he matches up with Knox again. As a member of the Cowboys in 2019, Byron Jones held Bills receivers on Thanksgiving to 13 yards on three targets, including a pass breakup. So he had a good game against the Bills last season. And in his last game against the Bills in 2018, Xavier Howard intercepted two passes and allowed just two catches on eight targets back in 2018. The third matchup to watch, the Dolphins' run game versus the Bills' front seven. And again, back to basics. Run the ball, stop the ball, win the matchup with the defensive back talent you acquired against the receiving talent Buffalo acquired this offseason. The Bills have a strong secondary of their own, so avoiding third down and long situations in which those playmakers will have freedom to roam and attack the football, that's critical. You have to keep them honest, keep their eyes on the running back, make sure you have balance on offense. And that starts, of course, with early down success, both in the passing game and the running game, finding balance, finding tendency breakers, that sort of thing. In the first meeting of 2019, Miami rushed for 109 yards and took a lead into the fourth quarter of that game. In the second matchup, they ran for just 23 yards as the Bills were able to open up a 17-point lead and really maintain that throughout the second half of that game. Keeping the Buffalo pass rush honest against the run and forcing all 11 on defense to key the ground game is going to help Ryan Fitzpatrick operate at his highest efficiency, which we know is a very, very high level. Had 300 yards in back-to-back games to close the season last year. Attacking away from Tredavious White was beneficial as well. In that Week 7 game last year in 2019, White limited Dolphins receivers to one catch on five targets against the other Buffalo corners. The Dolphins caught 9 of 12 passes for 126 yards and a touchdown per pro football focus. The Bills system, we talked about it earlier in the week. Nobody ran more plays than the Bills in Week 1, 81 total snaps. As a result, Dayball called the league's most common package, 11 personnel, the third most in the entire NFL. They ran 53 plays from three receivers, one back, one tight end. And the personnel deployment that really jumps off the page is the use of 10 personnel, one running back, no tight ends, four receivers. 
Buffalo called that package 22 times in week one. The rest of the NFL and 10 personnel packages just 20 times combined throughout opening weekend. So Buffalo called it more in their game than the other 31 teams combined in week number one. And then from there, Allen is able to put defenses in a bind with the decision to drop and play coverage or send extra rushers and put pressure on defensive backs to hold up against all those weapons at Allen's disposal, finding that rush contain lane, keeping him in the pocket, and also getting after the quarterback and covering tight downfield going to be key. According to Pro Football Reference, the Bills blitzed Sam Darnold 51.3% of the Jets' offensive snaps on Sunday. That was second most in Week 1 behind Baltimore, and the result was a 20.5% pressure rate that was 16th best in the league. PFR also credits the Bills defense with three missed tackles that tied for the second fewest in the NFL behind or with Miami, New England and behind the Chicago Bears. A few final notes for this home opener for the Dolphins at 1 o'clock Eastern, September 20th. The Dolphins will host 13,000 fans for the game. The all-time series favors the Dolphins with a head-to-head mark of 60, 47, and 1, but the Bills were victorious in the three rivals and three of the rivals for playoff games. Miami are 6-2 in the past eight home openers and 34-19-1 all-time against the Bills at home. However, Buffalo has won three in a row against the Dolphins and five of the last six meetings and going into this week two game the Dolphins and Jets both fell on Sunday so they are both 0-1 the Bills and Patriots both victorious they both are 1-0 the Bills play Miami the Patriots are in Seattle for a Sunday night football affair to take on the Seahawks and the Jets host the 49ers in week two to wrap up the AFC East wrap around we're going to have recap coverage of this game on MiamiDolphins.com as well as on this podcast on drive time with me yours truly Travis Wingfield let's go ahead and get back into player media availability from Thursday and we'll start with Dolphins captain Dolphins safety Bobby McCain who first touched on the rivalry between the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills um you know it's a division rival game um they don't like us we don't like them uh, at the end of the day and um you know they got good football players over there. We know that we have good football players here. They know that, so it's going to be a it's going to be a fight. It's going to, not not physical fight, but there's going to be a fight in the game uh, each and every quarter, each and every play, uh, each and every series. Because you know, like I said, it is division rivalry, and uh, they count for two. Division games count for two. You heard it there from Bobby McCain. Up next, I asked Bobby what the challenges are of getting a quarterback like Josh Allen to the ground, a big 245, 250-pound guy to the ground. McCain had a sack on Allen the first time these two teams met back in 2018. Here's Bobby on tackling a massive quarterback. Yeah, you got to tackle the body, tackle the legs. Uh, make sure you get him on the ground because he is a big body. He's a good runner. He's a good athlete. Uh, I think he's about 240, 250. So uh, he's a a big athlete, and um, he can get out of the pocket and make plays with his feet, make plays with his arm. So you got to make sure you tackle the body and and don't fall off. And one more here for Bobby, who was asked, is playing against Cam Newton and Josh Allen basically the same? No. I love that one. All right, let's go ahead and move on here. Next, Dolphins defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba, who I first had a question for him about playing the zone read. Yeah, it kind of just depends if you're, you know, you're a force player or not, but... um, yeah, you got to make sure the quarterback either doesn't have the ball or does have the ball before. So you actually kind of real slow to react. But uh, we're, we're, we're trained to do it, so we just got to do a better job doing it this week. So. One of the guys the Dolphins call on to make plays on that defensive line alongside Emmanuel Ogba is Dolphins defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. Here's Ogba on Wilkins and the growth he's seen so far from camp and through one game as a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, he's a worker, you know. Whenever he's out there, he tries to make plays. So that's, that's, what, that's our goal as a defensive line, just try to make plays, help the team win games. 
And Christian did a good job last week, even though it fell short, we lost the game, but he did a good job, he did his job, so. And I really like this next question here for Emmanuel about the difficulties of a quarterback that can scramble and beat you with his legs and how that might change the way you approach it because you can't get upfield with as much tenacity and much ferocity as maybe you like against a more traditional stationary pocket passing quarterback. Uh, first of all, we got to stop the run. If we stop the run, make it one dimension, that's going to take care of itself. And we have guys that get chased after, get after the quarterback. So we have to focus on stopping the run first. That's the most important thing in this game. And we are going to stay on topic, on brand there, and ask Emmanuel Ogba, what is the most important thing with regards to setting the edge as an edge defender, as a force defender, off the outside of the defensive line? You got to get to the off the tackle or the tight end as fast as possible because you got to set, set the – well, we try to set the edge or one yard up the field. So um, we could do that. That would help a lot. And we need guys corralling to the ball when we set the edge because – if you set the edge without nobody running to the ball, then you're just setting the edge and there's a free lane for him to keep running. So it, it takes the whole team, you know, to get after it. Up next, a question from me for Emmanuel. Uh, the Patriots rolled out that 350-pound dude in that heavy package. When they add that extra offensive lineman to your side of the of the formation, how does that change your approach? It definitely changes the approach because first you got you got to worry about that guy either double team, you're getting a double team block or a base block, so you got to attack it a different way than a tight end is right there, if that makes sense. And let's go ahead and finish up here with Dolphins offensive lineman Eric Flowers, who of course played his college and high school ball in Miami, but also as a kid, he grew up coming to Dolphins games, Dolphins training camp. He was asked if he ever met any players or who his favorite players were for the Miami Dolphins back then and talking a little bit about his experience growing up here in South Florida as a Dolphins fan as a child. Uh, I never really met players. I, never, I mean, I never really got a chance to – I was just in there. I've been on the stands for my dad or at the games. Like, I used to watch, like, Jake Long and all them dudes, you know what I mean, for Ricky Williams and all them dudes, you know what I mean? I used to, you know, listen to WQAM in the morning. Just, you know, I've always been involved with that. I've always followed it and always, you know, my family too, so – and I think this next one here is a great note to finish on for this Thursday preview podcast with Eric Flowers. He was asked about what he wants the Dolphins' identity to be up on the offensive line. Here's Eric's answer to that question. For me, I want to. I want this. I would like our identity to be to be technical. You know what I mean? Technical, and I would say really more hard nosed. You know, physical, physical, but technical. You know what I mean? Those are like the good offensive lines are technical. You know what I'm saying? From hand placements to everything, the combo blocks to games, just technical. And that's like what really wins, you know, matchup that's being technical. So I don't want us to go in that direction of just being technical. That's what be my, my perfect envision. Like, the, you know, like the Cowboys in those years, they were just super technical. Their hands, you know what I mean? You have to love a call back there to the 90s Cowboys offensive lines there from Eric Flowers. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. I really, really appreciate it when you all do that for us. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. We have the written preview up on the website as well. Taking a look at those matchups, Bill's personnel, the schemes, all that fun stuff on MiamiDolphins.com. Until tomorrow, until next time for a Flashback Friday podcast, fins up.